0: I was going to sing a song to pull us together, but I lost my nerve. Uh, you know, I don't mind speaking in public. Singing in public is just uh, just kind of a uh, scary thing for me. So anyways, but thank you for coming together and being happy, right? Let's pretend I did a great job leading you a song. Woo, wow, great job. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Worked hard on that one. Open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 16. It's great to see you. And I, uh, I, last Sunday was a great time honoring people. And I really appreciate the bullisans and everyone else working hard to make sure everyone felt special. And I hope you did. And, you know, it's been a rough, uh, if you think about it, if you watch the news, it's been a rough week. You know, there's a just tragedy and it's hard to make sense of it all, isn't it? Um, even not only with the shootings, it, it's just this weird thought. They, they had images of the shooter wearing a Make America Great cap. Isn't that crazy? Not so crazy to some of us. You're like, ah, uh, you know. And, you know, you, you get confronted with such tragedy. And in a minute, I'm going to open this up with a prayer for just the victims but also for guidance in our country you know I think uh, that's what we feel strongly in, in our household um, but it, it's crazy even the Olympics it's not like great news of the Olympics I think this is one of the lowest medal yields that the United States has had in the Olympics even right so not feeling so great these days right and uh, we're gonna talk about that today we're gonna talk about when you feel blocked when you feel stopped what What drives us? What gets us going? But before we do that today, I just want to open up with a word of prayer because uh, this is a, a tough moment right now for our nation, all right? So let's pray, and then we'll continue on with the lesson. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can draw close to you. We are grateful that we have faith, that we can believe that even through tragedy and suffering somehow, you will bring an insight you will instill in us courage. You will give us the backbone, the heart, the wisdom to act accordingly. We ask right now that we can be guided by your spirit, that we know that uh, you weep uh, for those who weep. You hurt for those who are hurting. And help us to be men and women who are empathetic, who feel the pain of the country, who feel the need of the nation for people of faith to draw close together. We ask that you are with the victims of the past, not just this tragedy, but now it's become so many. We pray that you protect the country, but help us all be men and women of conscience so that we together can be your tools to make this nation a better place, a safer place, a place closer to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, it's kind of a rough week when the best news in the country is a movie. <laughs> Did you watch Black Panther yet? How many of you watch Black Panther? Raise your hand. All right. I've seen it twice now. Yes, I know it's Sunday. I, I, I saw it on Thursday. actually, Chris Wade and I saw it together. It was his birthday this past Thursday, so we saw it together. We, it was really, really fun, to, and, and um, no, I didn't see it with Chris because he's black, okay? I told him that. Why did you see it, you know like, oh, I, I'm okay because no. Um, I saw it with Chris because he asked me if I wanted to see. Uh, the other Marvel movie come out, Infinity War, and I said, "Well, there's Black Panthers coming out quicker. Why don't we just go see that together?" So then we went and saw that together. And since his birthday, you know, we just made it a birthday moment together as well. So it was a lot of fun. Um, you yeah, know, we had a great time. Pardon me. You know, I wish I had some, but you know, people do like we. The, so then I saw it again. Okay, look at Chris. Look, at, he's, he's all Black Panthered out. Um, I, I saw it again, I don't, you guys might not know William and Brenda Robinson, I saw it a second time with them, and we saw it up in uh, Playa Vista, and yeah, there were a number of people kind of showing their colors, it was really, it was, it was a great movie, uh, I may or may not quote it today, you think I will? It all depends, it's a fantastic movie though, it's complex, It. It's just an amazing movie. So let's go to Acts chapter 16. Don't worry, I won't spoil anything. I won't spoil. I'm not, I'm, not uh, I'm not a hater in that way. I want you to see the movie. I want you to enjoy it. I'm not going to um, spoil it much. Acts chapter 16. You know, We're going to talk about what happens when you're stopped. When you get blocked, and you know, the the solution isn't going to be the best, it's not the easiest. Now, I'll be honest with you if you're looking for a message that's going to give you easy Christianity, this probably isn't the lesson, this probably isn't the church. And you go, well, why isn't that? I want something to lift me up, float me out of here, Dave. Just float me out of here, please. I wish I could do that, but I don't think I'd be giving you the full message from the Scriptures. And sometimes we got to understand that as much as God loves us, He actually loves us for a reason. ways, we get out of touch with that. God actually loves us for a reason. Let's go to Acts chapter 16, and I want you to see. How a person with great intentions, with amazing plans, with a great vision, gets stopped. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You know, it's interesting because here is Paul and his companions. He said, Let's go evangelize Asia. That sounds like a great, noble plan, doesn't it? Those poor Asians. They didn't get help. Because all of a sudden, they were stopped. So Paul goes, okay, maybe not Asia. Let's go another way. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Stop again. Great intentions, this heart to really help people, and they were blocked. You go, well, what happened? In verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, here's an interesting thing. You know, we're talking about drawing near to God this year. And I know every one of us, if you really think about it, you just kind of meditate, you go, man, I want to be close to God. How many of you want to be closer to God this year? But you know what? I've realized this as I was praying and thinking about this theme, and it's what we're going to be talking about all the times that I'm going to be preaching. I'll be talking about this for probably three more times. Is this notion you just don't draw near to God. It doesn't happen that way. I can't tell you, read your Bible more, pray more, and you could force it and force it, and it'll just still feel flat. I'll be honest with you. What draws us closer to God is if we dream. And we've got to, When I'm talking over the next few weeks, and, and um, I have our schedule laid out, but the thing I'm going to be hitting hard with us is we need to dream to draw near to God. If you have no dream... You will not draw near. If you have no vision, you're going to get stuck. And Paul could hit wall upon wall, but what got him out of being stuck was a vision, a dream that you can preach in Macedonia. There are people who need you. You know, the the point or the title of the lesson today is this, Be Dream Driven. Be dream-driven. You know, even even in modern Christianity, we don't have a modern view of Christianity that's dream-driven. Did you know that? You go to many churches out there, and they're going to say, hey, you need to just understand God is here to save you. He wants to rescue you. God loves you so much, he laid down his son for you because... He just wants to take care of you. He wants to, you know, you're helpless and you're in need. And what you need is God as a, as a warm breeze blowing you up and taking you elsewhere. And there's this notion that God is here to save us. Well, you go, That sounds right. But that's not true. If you were just here to save us, once you were saved, you'd be whisked off into heaven. He's here to use us. He's here in your life for a reason. So that you could live out his dream. You see, a dream drove Paul. A dream got him moving. A dream got him unstuck. Because that's how Paul lived. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I know it's Black History Month. You can't get, a, get through the month without saying, I have a dream. So I said it. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 9. Because you can have a dream, but are you living one? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You know, in Black History Month, we celebrate freedom. But you know what? It's not just celebrating freedom, it's celebrating the character and the heart to overcome. You know, once in, um, and and a few times, we've had our Black History Service, and they've asked me to be the keynote speaker. Isn't that interesting? You go, you? What does your uh, ancestry.com say? What percentage? I don't see any lineage traced back to any black history in your life. But you know what has dawned on me every time I spoke? Because it's not just black history. Because when you look at the civil rights movement, it's really not history. It's our story. That the strides and the efforts and the ground that has been broken has opened the doors for everyone. And so I say, hey, I can speak because... Black history is part of our story. If you are an American, it's our story, not his story, not their story, but it's our story. Can I get an amen to that? And so it's not just I have a dream. It's we all need to live a dream because that's what gets you unstuck. See, Paul had this dream. You go, what was it? To win as many as possible. Do you believe you're here for a purpose? Do you believe that right now, this moment, you are actually meant to make an impact all around you? See, I think sometimes we forget that. And there are two types of people. There are people who are dream-driven. I'm going to call those people dream drivers. How's that sound? Are you a dream driver today? Are you someone who says, man, the car I'm driving, it's not Lyft. It's not Uber. That doesn't take me places. But it's my dream. It's my vision. It guides me. I'm on this earth to really be of use. And so when Paul hit a wall and he got stopped, he went and he goes, okay, I'm going to go another place. And he got stopped. And you know what happens when you get two strikes? Sometimes when I get two strikes, I go, this is a sign from God to take a vacation. Have you ever had that? I'm going to tell you a little secret. I love you all. I really do. But there are times when we have appointments set up, and then I get a call or a text, and you tell me you can't make it. And guess what that's a sign of to me? I could take a nap. <laughs> that's the first thing. Oh, I could take a nap now. That's, that's the first thing that goes to my head. Isn't that crazy? What's the second thing? I go, I text my wife. What are you doing? Because now i got an extra hour and a half or two, and I can hang out with my wife. These are the things that hit my mind. See, when I get stopped, my flesh goes, guess what? It's time. It's, it's you time. And Paul, he got stopped, but his dream kept driving him. So he started seeing the open doors. He started saying, you know what? I'm still going to be useful to God. See, you could be a dream driver, or you know, you could be like I am sometimes, a self-seeker. See, there are dream drivers and there are self-seekers. There are people who go, you know what? I'm going to base my choice on church by what feeds me. Have you ever heard that? I need to be fed. It's like you didn't come to church. You came to McDonald's. Now, if you go to McDonald's and you make an order and they don't feed you, that's an issue. But when you come to church, it's different. Now, there are other churches out there. They will feed you, and they'll make you feel something. But we've got to understand, we are not self-seekers. We're dream drivers. And so sometimes you've got to come to church to get fixed so you can be ready to live the dream. What, why is it so important to be a dream driver? Because dream drivers find opportunities in obstacles. See, if you're a dream driver, you're going to find opportunities and obstacles. See, that's what happened right here. Obstacle one, boom, stop. Obstacle two, boom, stop. And then what did God give Paul to say, hey, this obstacle is there for a reason. And it's actually pointing to me to a greater opportunity. You go, what was that greater opportunity? Let's go on in Acts chapter 16, verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. You know, he goes, man, he got the dream and he went on. He says, God's not done with me yet. It's not time to relax. It's not time to just stop. He says, gosh, I have this dream and I'm here for a reason. I'm going to go pursue it. It says, from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. What you see here is this. When you are a dream driver and there's an obstacle, God will point you in a direction to say, Hey, you know what? You're still of use. You're important. And get moving. But guess what? They hit their destination. And You know what else they decided to do? They decided to pray. You know, you can get someplace, but still not have arrived. You could be where God wants you to be and still be completely self-reliant. And so in order for you to start seeing opportunities in the obstacles, I hope you go, man, it starts with prayer. It stops with drawing close to God, asking him, connecting with him. Some of us here, I know when we get a tough time, what do we do? I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to sulk. I'm going to get upset because sometimes God says, you've got to stop. Have you ever, has God ever said that to you? Have you ever opened up the scriptures and says, no, you're not going to sin and you need to stop. You know what? You're not going to give in to that. You need to stop. You're not going to think that way, feel that way. You're not, you're going to stop having those thoughts about your spouse. You're going to stop your fits of rage. You're going to stop your immorality. You're going to stop your drunkenness. You're going to stop your substance abuse. You're going to stop your bitterness. You're going to stop your fear. You're going to stop your criticalness. You're going to stop. And what do you do when God says stop? You know, it's hard sometimes to stop when you've gotten addicted to something. It's hard to stop when you've gotten addicted to lying. Have you ever just wanted to shade the truth? You sinned and you go, I don't want anyone to find out because people are going to judge me. Have you ever thought that? People are going to judge me. That's so weak. You got to understand that. Why is that weak? Because don't elevate people higher than they need to be. Don't make yourself weak. Even if someone in this room yelled at you and called you bad names, that's their problem, not yours. A lot of us, we need to reclaim the dignity. When Satan causes us to sin, he's taking away our dignity, he's making you ashamed. He's whittling away at who you are. And he's trying to blind you to who you're supposed to be. And it's you who are weak. Don't make other people stronger than they are. It's your conscience that's afraid to be judged. But trust me, I know pretty much everyone in this room, not everyone, but most everyone, what wonderful people. But guess what they are? People. And only sticks and stones can break your bones. But what we see here is that Paul was called to stop. we got to go, what are we doing with that call to stop? Are you going, you know what? You're right. God, I'm not going to go here, but I'm going to continue on with your vision and dream for my life. And he's going to open up a door. You go, what did that open door look like? They decided they were going to go pray. But guess what? God already understood their faith. God already saw their priorities. Man, these people, are they, they've got where they need to be, and they want to go pray to me. But let me just bless them right then and there. They ran into a bunch of women. You go, well, what, what about these women? Let's go on in verse 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household then when she and the members of her household were baptized, not if, when she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, "Come and stay at my house," and she persuaded us. This is a big score. You got to understand this. They say this lady, her name's Lydia. She's a dealer in purple cloth. You know, in our world, okay, you know, that's what, what she worked at Joanne's, you know? She, you know, like a dealer in purple cloth. What's that, right? You know, like, you know, a lot of times we go, oh, what, what is all that? Um, no, I mean, back, for us, we just go to the store, buy material. Cloth, colored cloth, all of that. That took a lot of work. This one, and purple was the color for royalty. They, the, the notion is this was a wealthy woman. The assumption is she was not married because then usually they would attach her name to her husband's name. But so, and she was the head of the household in many ways. So this is a wealthy, single woman. You know? It was Oprah Winfrey. That's right. He, they went to go pray, and there was Oprah. Oprah was there. You know, it's amazing. This is an incredible door that God opens. It's an opportunity that came from this obstacle, and they got to stay at Oprah's house. You know, um, we led a church in Maui, so you know, and so, uh, and there was a time where we are still visiting back and forth, and guess who lives in Maui or has a home in Maui? Oprah! So I was always going, can we go where Oprah's house is? But it's so top secret, you can't get there. Probably have to take a helicopter or something like that, right? But, but they got to stay at Oprah's house. From being stopped, being stopped, to Oprah's house. That's what happens when you're dream driven. Stop thinking about yourself. When you're a self-seeker, it's just about what hurts you. And it's or it's about what pleases you. You know what a self-seeker talks about? Self. You know, no, I don't talk about self. I talk about how other people have hurt me. That's self. A self-seeker says, well, this person betrayed me. This person lied to me. They will have a story about everyone else. And they're still talking about themselves. A self-seeker will be looking for what makes them feel better or who makes them feel better. A self-seeker quits. Because why? There's no dream that drives them. Self-seekers hang out with other self-seekers. That's true. You go, why? Because... You know, they, they call it codependent relationships oftentimes. You know, it's two people want, you know, wanting to leech off of the other. And it's very important to go, am I a self-seeker? Am I a dream driver? What moves me? Why am I making the decisions that I'm making? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It's really intense. You know, I'm going to tell you a line. From Black Panther but don't worry it doesn't ruin the movie and I've won, I, I was so I did this lesson just so you know to faith point but I think I'm doing it better now but I think um but the issue is is that I didn't get to tell this line so it's such a great line there's two lines I'm going to tell you in a second but uh if I get the time but there's conflict in the country okay and uh, I'm telling you, this movie is so insightful. It's a great movie to watch. Now, you guys are all going to go watch it afterwards. It's one of those movies. Uh, anyways. Uh, so there's conflict in the country. And there are two people who care about the country. And the country's going in the wrong direction. And, and one person says, and both of them know it. So one person says to the other, are you going to join me? And the person says no, because I'm going to just serve my country, even though I know it's going in the wrong direction. I'm just going to serve my country. And you need to love your country too. The person replies, I do love my country. That's why I'm going to save my country. Sometimes, are you a servant in the church? Not that the church is bad or negative, but sometimes you go, I'm just content to serve. I'm content to just do actions as part of a routine in a fellowship. The question is, do you have the heart to save? Because there are people, when you are dream-driven, you find solutions. When you're self-seeking, it's just limited by your knowledge, your ability, and your, your ideas of who people are. But dream drivers, they're able to go beyond the flesh. Dream drivers find power where there's none. And a purposeless, a purposeless life is a powerless one. Find opportunities in the obstacles, because that's what dream drivers do. Can you hold on to this notion? I am here. I'm here for a reason. And I want you to understand, God did just not save you. He called you. There's a difference. And most churches talk about, well, God just saved you. God just saved you. That's not what we teach. We teach God called you. that's a form of salvation you know I talked to a brother he's uh from another church I spent some time with him yesterday and um his name I I can tell you his name because you probably look it up his name's Reggie Reggie from Reno he was reached out by Greg Watson you know you remember Greg Watson he was here Greg and Christy and he was playing in the uh I think it's called D League uh basketball and uh We developed a friendship. I I got to know him, you know, last few years through Greg, and he just got picked to play for the Detroit Pistons. Isn't that cool? So you now know someone who plays. Well, I know you know me, who I know someone plays. (laughs) And we and and this guy's super awesome, great spiritual uh, young man. Um, but you know how awesome it is. To get that call. He was telling me about it. He was at church in Toronto. And his agent called him. He didn't pick up the phone. He stayed in the worship. And so then he went and he picked up the call after church. Found out. He was picked for the team. And guess what? It was so intense. He didn't even make it back to Reno. They shipped all his stuff to Michigan. He hasn't seen the church since. Isn't that intense? That's how fast they move. So here he, he and I are eating uh, at uh, in El Segundo. He met we met for for lunch, and I said, "Okay, you know." Um, and I'm in my Hyundai, my 2007 Hyundai. Pick him up, and we're just talking. Put his luggage in my trunk, and you know we hung out for. Uh, a couple hours. But I said, okay, so what's the airline you're going? And, you know, do I need to get you there a certain time? He goes, oh, no, you know what, Dave? I go, what? He goes, they fly me first class now. I've been flying first class and private jets. He's only been, he was only drafted a month ago. <laughs> he said, I've made my first shot in my first NBA game as a three-pointer. So I'm one for one. One shot. Three points. Isn't that cool? You go, why are you telling me this? It's so great when you get the call. That's grace. Grace isn't just the forgiveness. It's this call that you are part of God's amazing plan. And that drove Paul. Have you stopped thinking about that? Have you just gotten to this groove of being a self-seeker? Instead of going, man, I just got drafted. First class flight, private jet. In God's mind, I'm the, you know, 100% three-point shooter. (laughs) And when you hit a wall, you'll see things differently. You see, if you're a self-seeker, you're not going to hit the supernatural. Because selfish does not ever tap into the supernatural. And so God's dreamers do. Let's go on to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. In Acts chapter 18, verse 1, It says this, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed there and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. You know, this is actually a sacrificial life. This is what Paul's doing right now. He is working full time to support himself, but he's still out there preaching the word. Well, Dave, you're not doing that. I go, there's, a, there's more to this story in a second. But I remember doing that. I remembered when I was in law school, I was a full-time law student, and get this, I was a full-time law student, and I was leading a group of 180 people. You know, I was working full-time jobs, and I had groups. of. You know, I led this one group, I was working for Sprint. And I remembered I didn't even have a car then because my car was still in the mainland and I was living in Hawaii, so I had to take the bus to work every day, right? And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a crazy life. I was working for Sprint. I was a project manager for them. I'd take the bus to and from work every day. And uh, we led a group of 25, 20 people, and then in six months it grew to 35. And Reese Kia Aina, who's the evangelist over in South Cities. He was baptized during that time. And I remembered this weird thing. We had a house, and it was a three-bedroom, not house, apartment on the 13th floor in in downtown Honolulu. And we had eight people living there, (laughs) you know, like two to a room. And then every day there was a study going on in every room in the house, including the balcony. Isn't that crazy? And it was so much fun. I said, wow, this is really fun. And I just felt like, man, I'm working, but I have this purpose. And I want you to understand, that was Paul's heart. Turn to 1 Timothy. Okay. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because there's a power to people who are dream drivers. There's this notion that you're working for something more than just earning a paycheck and first Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9 it says now about your love for one another first Thessalonians 4 verse 9 now about your love for one another we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other and in fact you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia he's literally literally writing to one of the churches he started when that call from Macedonia came isn't that cool and he says, "Hey, let me tell you something though. Yet we urge you brothers more and more to do so, uh, we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you." You see, here's this interesting thing. A lot of us go, "Okay, that's the Christian life. Let's just work with our hands and mind our own business." You know, but that's not the whole passage. He says, "Make it your ambition." Paul says, "I have this ambition to work hard." And here's the reason why so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Why are you excellent? Are you excellent? Do you have a passion about how you work, what you say, what you do out in the community? See, when you're a dream driver, real dream drivers are on a path to success. But it's not because you're a self-seeker. It's because you go, man, I want to work hard so people can respect God. Yep. Many of us, we don't work that hard. Because we don't have a reason. Come on, bro. Sometimes the world can just tear us down so much that even working hard for ourselves doesn't motivate us. Yep. Sometimes we weren't raised with people who would encourage us. We weren't raised with people who teach us the benefit of hard work. We weren't raised. And so uh, sometimes when we failed, we had people say, see, see, that's how bad you are. And it could tear us down from the inside. And so we might not even respect ourselves enough to work hard. Can you decide you're part of a great mission from God? And God wants and needs you to work hard. Don't worry about what you think about you. Think about God saying, you are, you're my first round draft pick. I didn't just save you. I called you. And you're important. Paul said, that's why it's my ambition. That's why I just work so hard to be an example. Dream drivers show how they grow. See, dream drivers find opportunities and obstacles. They don't look at the stop as, hey, you know what? I just quit, whatever, move on, look for something easier. They go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find how this moment in my life can really, really help others. Dream drivers, they show how they grow. They show, hey, what I'm doing and where I'm going and what's going on in my life, it's because of the power of God. 1 Timothy. Chapter four, you know, a lot of times we misunderstand scripture saying, hey, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. So that means just hide all the good things you do. That's just one verse. There are other verses. You see, the, the heart of that passage is so that you don't do it for your own glory. That's the heart of it, because what does Paul say in first Timothy, chapter four? In first Timothy, chapter four. Verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. People are watching. People are watching. Does it move you? Let's go to First Peter chapter one. I'm not I'm not saying people are watching, you know, be all nervous and scared, but just go. You know what? Who you are matters. You feel that when you're a parent. You feel that when you're a parent because you start seeing your kids do things that you go, oops. Right? We had to stop using the word stupid in our home for both kids. I don't know why. Both kids were genetically programmed to love the word stupid. So if you say stupid, they would just say it over and over again. That's stupid. This is stupid. I go, boy, we must use stupid a lot. These kids love the word stupid. So I had to, we had to just kill it. My, my, my kids still feel like stupid is a bad word. We just had to kill it, right, because they just love the word. Right? You know, sometimes your kids will pick up on something you do, and you go, wow, my example matters. You start really caring. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 9, uh, verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know what? You actually should show how you grow. That's what the Bible says. But you don't do it for yourself. You do it so people will be drawn to God. So your example matters. There's a moment in Black Panther. He's trying to get you to watch it. Great movie. The this is a little bit pathetic gets so mad at someone he wants to kill him. But he's a king and his support says my king, the world watches. And he looks, and there's all these people with their phones out. And it makes him stop. See, our example matters, and the world watches. When you're a dream driver, you show how you grow, but you must grow. How's your marriage growing? How's your example growing? How, is your, how are your relationships growing? How is your insight growing? Show it. Talk about it. Let people get drawn to God by your progress. We'll close out Acts chapter 18. what happens in Acts chapter 18? We'll go to verse 5. It says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So Paul started off being this guy who's going to work hard and preach the word at the same time, because his example mattered. Now, Silas and Timothy came so he he could, they could help support his work, so then he could do it full-time, and that's what they do here. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive. He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Think how this ma- have you ever just been stopped here? Like, look at Paul's burning the candle at both ends. He's working full time, he's preaching the word. Silas and Timothy come in. He goes, Hey, you don't have to do that anymore. And he goes, Hot dog. I could really get into this. He's going, This is when we're really going to make an impact. And that's when he gets opposed. So remember, there are times your intentions are good, your vision is crystal clear, and you get stopped. And then God, he says, you know what? Okay, it's not going to be the Jews. I'm going to spread the word to the Gentiles. He keeps going because that vision drives him. But still, it's discouraging. In verse 7, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. This is how great God is. When you hit those obstacles, if you're a dream driver, the opportunities will come. The Jews were opposing him. He says, well, then I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And then he ends up uh, converting the synagogue leader, uh, a prominent Jew. That's cool, isn't it? But still... Wouldn't you feel a little tired? Wouldn't you still feel a little kind of, wow, when is this going to stop? Verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. Can you be a dream driver? Don't be a self-seeker. Be a dream driver. Because, you know, God wants to comfort you. God wants you to be comforted. He wants to be comforted. When you're a dream driver, you're going to see op- opportunities, even though there are obstacles. If you're a dream driver, you will show how you grow. But in the end... God says, Hey, I want you to to keep your mind on the many. Have many on your mind. And God encouraged him. He helped him to understand and see there are many people out there for you. For you. There are many people out there. I know there are times you think, Gosh, man, there's just not that many people out there. If you're a single adult, you're like, Where are the good men? Where are the good women? You know, I'm I'm working with a a lot of, uh, I've been studying the Bible with a lot of uh, mature men these days, okay? And, boy, they they go, "Well, well, you know, it's hard to find a woman. That's what they're wrestling with. And I know there are a lot of mature women that we work with and say, it's hard to find a great man. Isn't that intense? Sometimes you can feel like there's not many. A lot of us, we go, man, you know, in our communities, is there anyone who wants to become a Christian? Yes. There are many. Just this week, I got with our friend Paul Kim. Do you remember him? How many you remember who Paul Kim is? You know who brought Paul Kim? Mike Glenn. They're co-workers. And Paul set up a lunch with one of his co-workers. And I sat down with him, and we're talking about God and, and whatnot, and it's amazing how Mike feels like, wow, there are many people that could actually become Christians now. Because there's this guy named Paul, and I'm telling you, Paul is baptized in downtown, but he's so fired up. He's just like sharing his faith and bringing people and he's so excited about people studying the Bible, and he's like led a study and all sorts of things as just a young disciple. There are many people, not many people that, I, that you could convert but many people who could be your best friend. Many people who could be that encouragement. There there are parents out there whose child will become your child's best friend. There are single adults that you could reach that could either become one day your spouse or your best friend's spouse, who will then reach someone else who will become your spouse. There are many people out there. There are many people out there that you could befriend, and even though you're older and they're the same age as your kids, they could one day reach your child. And they could make your kid think, wow, my parents are kind of cool. There are many people out there. There are many people out there that you're going to reach and you're going to connect with. And you say, I never knew what it was like to be of your background or of your ethnicity or of your history. And you're going to, wow, I've learned so much. And when Paul was tired, God encouraged him with just this one word. Hey, many, 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 many. When you're a dream driver, you start seeing the many. And they become crystal clear in your mind can we do that as a fellowship? can we just drive according to the dream? Not according to our flesh, not according to our hurts, not according to our opinions, but really the dream. Because if you do, you'll see God just break down all the walls and open up all the doors. Have a great time in fellowship. Um, so we're going to be meeting with the singles uh, in about an hour. An hour, hour or so—twelve thirty, one o'clock—is that right? Are we still on singles? Okay, great. Have a great time of fellowship.